Traveling the Vortex. Join Sarcasmo as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode number 343. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Well. Good. Yeah, I'll go with that. Did you guys have a good week? Yeah. It's a pretty average week. I had a good week. What'd you do? Uh, I snuck out yesterday to go see Dunkirk. Oh, what'd you think? I liked it. <laughs> I don't think it's as amazing. You just, I've got some friends that are really heavy film guys, and and they're very, very, very big Nolan fans, and they just, oh my god, this was like the best movie ever, and it's always it's, it's good. It's a very solid Christopher Nolan movie. It's beautifully shot. It's well made. It doesn't have anywhere near the emotional punch of, say, Saving Private Ryan or you know some of the bigger war movies for me. I also um, the score drove me a little nuts. Hans Zimmer came back, and you know that angry violin note? Oh, from the trailer? He's fallen in love with that. He's used that in every movie since Dark Knight, and I'm kind of tired of it. And he's trying to draw out this tension of these guys on this beach that are being picked off every five... And it's relentless. They get a boat, and the guys get on the boat, and they get 50 yards away from shore, and a German plane comes over and sinks the boat, and they swim back to the shore, and then they get on another boat, and that one goes out and gets sunk. I mean, it's just over and over and over again. You're not getting off this beach alive. I get it. I don't need this in the background of this movie. And it really did. It started to annoy me to, to, to that extent. But the film's good. It's very well done, and it's, it's worth watching for sure. I don't think it's as good as, say, Interstellar or um, Inception or even Dark Knight if we're comparing Nolan films. But. Hmm. It was better than Dark Knight Rises. Um, we also watched King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, the new Guy Ritchie film. I really like Guy Ritchie films. I like Snatch. I like Sherlock Holmes. I like the Love the Man with Uncle, Man from Uncle. And when they said, oh, he's going to do King Arthur, I thought, I'm not sure that fits his... But okay. I mean, he's, he's pretty good. Um, Just as well as uh, Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And keep in mind, Mel and I did that whole run where we watched every Arthurian legend film just because we were kind of in the mood for it. So it's, I've, I've seen a bunch of different takes on it. This is a different take. It, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a sword and sorcery version of, of Arthur versus that. Jude Law, unfortunately, falls down in the, look at me, I'm British and I'm the bad guy. Okay. Um, I can't really tell you much about Charlie Hunnam because I don't watch Sons of Anarchy, so I don't know if he's any good or not. You know, it, it was it was it was fun. It's a competent little action movie, but that's about all I can say for that one. I might might be getting full time at the station. Oh, so that's awesome! Kind of a promotion, which is exciting. Yay! Yay! That's pretty awesome. I'm somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no longer half an employee. So half an employee. I'm half an employee. I am getting a promotion. Are you? Yeah, starting tomorrow. Yeah, start Monday. I'm a senior administrative specialist. So you're old? Instead of a junior? Yeah, instead of a, it was just a regular senior or administrative specialist. Not Still not entirely sure what I'm going to be doing, but you know. Really? Administrative things. Hey, you want a promotion? Sure. What do we want me to do? We don't know yet. There's a fancy, well, it's gonna a be fancy like title. Stuff for the lab director. They know what you're going to do. Yeah, they know okay. what I'll be doing. Right. I'm, I'm sure he has plans and 
I they have, it's gonna be a while until they fill my position, so I'm gonna be doing a lot of my current oh, stuff okay. too. That so, makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. But I get my own office for the first time ever. Ooh. Window and door. With a with a window and a door. I thought you said window. <laughs> and so what my brain initially went to is a door with a window in it. It's like I didn't know that's what those were called. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. That's a window. You have a window. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's so that's congr- exciting. Congrats. That's what. Thank you. That's really awesome. So what you're saying is that instead of the book that you already have, what I should have gotten you for your birthday is an office warming gift. Oh, you still could, I suppose. I need to find a tchotchke. Okay. <laughs> yes, and so most of the weekend was birthday stuff. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Sorry, my present was lame. Oh, it's a great book. <laughs> I just have already read it. And highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Uh, Glenn got me a, a little weeping angel that lights up. It's got a light at the base of it that illuminates the face and it's very creepy <laughs> it's very creepy i don't i don't know that we'll have to post a picture of this yeah. because i don't think there's anything that we can do to describe no there, there really the isn't. sheer terror this thing would <laughs> glenn's laughing at me because i said this earlier and I was like, this thing is, is beyond so what creepy. i plan on doing is taking it to work and leaving it on my desk facing the door and turn it on and turn off my light when i leave for the day so the security guard at night when he walks past my office freaks out and sees it even though he probably isn't even a hoovian <laughs> and then he also got me a brief history of time lords so i can join in on this month's uh book goodreads book club selection yeah, if we can twist his arm enough we'll have a uh, side trip of his review too so. or just a very quick review on the book that, on the that probably could be done as well because yeah. i meant to record a side trip on uh Diary of River Song and never did Oh, either. you're still doing that because since oh, I've taken like, over recording again, no. I'm going to make sure it gets done. <laughs> you and I were supposed to do one on something, weren't that we? That's what I was... That's what oh, I was, was, it, was it Diary? That one, diary. That's what I should have done while we were waiting on Sean to show up tonight. Just have, just have you record that. So I'm trying to... Since, I, uh, since I've gotten the vaults, like 2014, I hadn't finished it. So I'm trying to plunge through and finish that real quick. And then I'm thinking I'm going to start this so I can hopefully get that done in September. So thank you, Glenn. Yeah. Speaking of books, I jumped ahead in my uh, Virgin New Adventure <laughs> story. Oh, did you? Just because I was champing at the bit to uh, read it because I'd seen the movie. I, I read uh, Shakedown, ah. which is based on Shakedown Return of the Sontarans, mm-hmm. which Terrence Dix wrote the script for the film, the, the fan film that was made, or quasi-fan film that was made. Andy wrote the novelization when uh, Virgin came to him and asked if he would novelize it. And uh, the center part, I think we've talked a little bit about this, but the center part literally is the film. And it's bookended by two story, well, not story, two stories, two ends that ha- contain the Doctor, Benny, Roz, and Chris, which Roz and Chris I haven't been introduced yet to, but um, till now, <laughs> are on both sides of that. And then one of the guys in Shakedown, whose name is Kirk, is actually part of the story, the overall working story, too. So it's pretty interesting. I really quite enjoyed it. Um, And then that spurred me into thinking, well, I really need to go back and start back where I was. (laughs) And so I picked up the third part of Cat's Cradle, which is the... That's the one you left off. I can remember. Seventh, I think. Oh, because there were four time worms. There's four time worms and two Cat's Cradles that I've read so far. So I think I'm on the seventh book now. If you're going in order. And it's uh, Witch's Mark, I think is what it's called. So I started it yesterday. So Hmm. we'll see how that goes. I I stalled out on it because I had read some reviews and they said it's not a very strong story. Uh, And I kind of was hesitating. But then 
I jumped ahead and read Shakedown and thought, okay, I really ought to go back and go back in order again. So <laughs> I'm back to the back to the start of the series. Mm-hmm. A Shakedown, it, it, or no, it's not Shakedown. What's the one that's attached to Downtime? Wartime. Wartime. Okay. Yeah. Which is uh, not Benton instead of Lethbridge Stewart. Benton's in Wartime. Right. So. Ah. Yeah. I finished a book too. Did you? What'd you finish? Star Wars Aftermath. Oh yeah, it's not very good. That's on my list of things to read. It's really it was a struggle to get through. I Pro- saw your review on yeah, uh, Goodreads. You can go and read my review on Goodreads. It's you had commented that the one one thing that you didn't like was that they spent too much time on new or peripheral characters it's and didn't all focus on brand new characters. There's like one that kind of takes you that kind of introduces you to these characters barely and not really, and it's not heavily connected to like the. The aftermath, the true aftermath of the end of the empire. It's just like offshoot on this planet no one's ever heard of, and yeah, it's it's, it's setting up for other books in the trilogy, I believe, and setting up these characters that continue on and have bigger impact. It's just getting to the end of the book was just I didn't care about any of the people because yeah. I didn't know them previously. See, I'm kind of excited by that because I kind of feel like yes, I'd like to see the further adventures of Han, Luke, Leia, and Chewie, but I kind of like that the books are doing the th- a thing where they're injecting new characters because our characters are very familiar, and especially now that we've started a new sequel yeah. series, those characters are on film. So I kind of like getting new characters, new places, new locations within the Star Wars universe instead of feeling like we keep revisiting the same characters and revisiting the same places, which people have had complaints about with the films. I would agree if I had a character, a familiar character introducing me and taking me through the story. So like if they added all these peripheral characters onto a story of somebody I knew, I would like these characters and care more about them. And that would carry me through it. It didn't have to be all three of them. It could have been even if... Because it starts off with Wedge. Had Wedge just really carried most of the story more because you don't get much of him in the films I would have been okay with that it's just he drops off quickly and doesn't and barely resurfaces and it's just kind of like oh alright yeah it's just when they say Star Wars Aftermath I expect the aftermath of the Battle of Endor yeah. with the rise of the New Republic and what Luke and Leia and Han are doing that's, that's probably <coughs> where it's falling down as it's named itself this now it's not Filling, fulfilling its exactly, title. Yeah. and wasn't it the very first of the new EU? It's the very first of the new EU set after. Uh, okay, the, the I can't remember if yeah. it was okay. Even still, that, it wasn't the first one released. Okay, yeah. but that's still. Uh, you say this is the first new book set after Return of the Jedi. I expect some more familiar characters to show up. Sure, part of that's my basis off of having read previous EU too. So I don't know. We're just going to have to unlearn what we have learned. Yeah. The sequel sounds really good, <laughs> and it continues these characters, and it introduce it brings Han and Leia into it. So, I'm I'm after reading the synopsis, I'm more enthusiastic about finishing the trilogy. I started a new book. I started reading The Long Black, and I'm not sure who this author is. Who's it by? J. M. Andrew Weirden. Hey, isn't he a new dad? I think he might be. Just recently. <laughs> Very like recently. Yesterday. Yeah. Maybe. So speaking of, we have a new listener. Yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> Chrissy. And Jared. And Jared. <laughs> Sounds like it was quite a long event, which I'm sure they will go into much detail when she comes back in the Five-ish Fangirls. Yeah, I, just, I saw pictures on Facebook, so I knew yeah. that they had, had the baby. So I hadn't looked into much of it because I figured she'd 
let us know yeah. in due time. So very congratulations. congratulations, new baby. We did get a movie in too. We watched Jackie, which was interesting. It was very. Who's in this one? This Natalie is... Portman. Oh, okay, that one. Yes, it was impactful. It was very powerful. It's not one I would probably watch again, but it's definitely worth seeing once. It's a stellar performance from her, and it very much focuses on her in the aftermath of the assassination. So it's it's laser focused onto her pretty much, and it's definitely worth seeing. I could see why it was nominated for Oscars. Anything else? Let's move on to news. Unfortunately, speaking of a downer, we have some sad news to report. Victor Pemberton has passed away at the age of 85. Very sad. Yeah. 85, though. A lot of good if, years. If the name there. doesn't ring a bell, he we did interview him at Time Eddie and had a panel with him at Time Eddie, and he invented a song, Screwdriver, and wrote Fury from the Deep. In which it was first featured. Yes. And uh, what's the Pescaton story? Doctor uh, Who and the Pescatons. There you go. Doctor Who and the Pescatons. The very first audio adventure. And he Tom the... Baker and Elizabeth Slayton. Yeah. And he was the nicest man. He was, he was very was nice. Just such a sweetheart. Great stories. If you haven't, I strongly recommend going back and finding that interview. Victor, you will be missed. Absolutely. My bit of news is uh, ATB Publishing is getting ready to release a book called Red, White, and Who, the story of Doctor Who in America. And uh, the editor on this book is actually Stephen Warden, Warren Hill. And Stephen is a, uh American Whovian who, for years, I believe he started Gallifrey Base or was one of the founding members of that uh, website. He runs Gallifrey. Well, I don't know if he runs it. But anyway, he has Gallifrey Base and several other uh, Doctor Who sites. I think he's also uh, c- connected at least to uh, Chicago TARDIS. Um, they, he and a bunch of uh, people together have gotten together and they've collected a lot of information about um, the launch of Doctor Who in America and how while overseas it was a mainstream thing, here it was kind of an underground thing that not a lot of people knew about and that kind of grew out of PBS and, and uh, things like that. So that book is getting ready to be released, I believe, August 21st. And I think it's a, it's a hardback edition and I think it's around the $50 mark. Yeah, forty nine ninety five. And I believe so. it's like 800 pages. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. massive. I, this is a project that they actually, I should say, started about 10 years ago. And they came up with it. He actually tried to sell this idea to a publisher, and there wasn't quite enough there yet. And so uh, he and some people realized they all kind of wanted to do the same project, and they put this all together. So that'll be coming out soon. And, uh, 704 I'm actually, pages. I'm actually excited to read that, so. And how about feedback? We've got one bit of feedback this week. Um, This is a new bit of feedback. Lost in dimensional space. A 52 truck driver who's been listening for years. Never get to watch who unless my truck is broke down. Then I get caught up on the jokes and that makes me laugh. I do miss when you guys sing the feedback and sing together. (laughs) Should we we give them a little uh, feedback together, guys? Go ahead. Sure. Just me? Just Not going to jump in on this? Feedback. Feedback. We've got some feedback just for you today. You're getting the song. It's the feedback song. Yeah. Of course, now I have to wonder is that what he misses, or does he miss back in the day when you used to come up with words to actual songs for feedback? Having not read this email before now, I didn't have anything (laughs) pre prepared that I can pull out. So maybe next time I'll. uh... Those are the ones I miss. Yeah. Yeah. Those were a lot of work. (laughs) <laughs> well, now that you're not editing the show, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's now true. Now that you're not recording <laughs> anything, you bet. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll have a little more time. Uh, as far as the books go, I have severe dyslexia. It's gotten worse with age, so my reading has gone way downhill. I use voice-to-text, so if this seems to be off, I was too lazy to go back and correct it. Looking forward to the show and listening on the weekends helps me keep awake when I'm driving at night. Keep up the great work. By the way, can you suggest a site where I can watch Who on my iPhone? BritBox would be one of the BritBox for Classic Who. Yeah, for Classic Who. And then uh, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Yeah. Which are both subscription services. Uh, BritBox, I think, is six ninety nine a month, and or is yeah. it even that? Yeah, it's six ninety nine a month. Um, and then uh, Amazon Prime. Obviously, you can pay yearly or you can pay monthly. If you pay, and if you, you pay can monthly, also do... it's ten dollars a month. Yeah. If you pay yearly, it's, it's a hundred bucks a year. Yeah, it's less less than one hundred twenty, which would be ten dollars a month. Yeah. I think you can do just a video too, which might drop the price a little bit if you don't want the free shipping for Amazon Prime. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay, so there's those options, I suppose. Also, well, first of all, thank you for for listening, and uh, we're happy to, uh, you know, entertain be, you on your drive. Be, yeah, <laughs> be, be, be your be your, your your virtual companion out there on the roads. Um, I would suggest some big finish if you haven't uh, gone that yeah, way. As far as uh, the audios, with, with yeah. yeah, go with the audios adventures because it's you know it's like a book but not there's no print, which is kind of nice. Big finish actually has an app that you can download to your phone, and you can purchase the audios through the app and listen to them through the app. So it's a one-stop shop. You can go there and find whatever you want and then purchase it. It'll download right to the app, and you can listen to it right there from the app. Also, check your local library. Our local library has uh if He's audio. on the road a lot, though. Yeah. Well, but, but there's a digital version. A lot of them have, like, oh, yeah. audiobook yeah. downloads you can right. get. And, like, our local library has a bunch of big finish in what's called Hoopla. And that's their movie and, and comic and some e-books and audiobooks that's that you can right. download and listen to even offline so you don't have to worry about using data while driving. So there is a plethora of who out there and available for for you on the roads and we salute you and thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks right for listening. We're glad you're still with us. All right, shall we move on to our reviews? Yes. Sisters of the Flame. The richest man in the galaxy has just bought a backwards planet with no obvious mineral wealth in the outer reaches of the universe. An obscure mystical sect has been revived after centuries of neglect. A new race of aliens are hunting for prey. Why? As the Doctor and Lucy attempt to discover the answer, it becomes clear that someone is attempting to resurrect the past, and they need a Time Lord to help them achieve it. Bum, bum, bum! This is some of the best Eighth Doctor uh, audios that I have heard. This really kept me on my toes through the whole thing, and it really... It's it drives a lot of tension and excitement through the whole thing. And there's times where you sort of wonder how are they going to get out of certain particular predicaments. Sometimes circulation. You, know, you think, okay, no, we've got a thirteenth doctor just announced, so eight gets to thirteen eventually. <laughs> but I still find myself on the edge of my seat thinking, and we even know is, how, he, when, is this the end? You know, and we just, know when how he regenerates, and we <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. it's just. It's it's crazy that they can do such a good story amount of storytelling here that it still engages me and I'm still fearful for the lives of the Doctor and the Companion. I really like the way that it starts out where the Doctor's completely pulled out of the story and Lucy's left on yeah. her own. That's really cool. The almost police procedural nature I of it. I <laughs> love the fact that this giant centipede guy, I can't remember his name, comes in and she has these preconceived notions of him and who he is based on number one her experience of seeing one of his kind when the doctor was being taken and 
the fact that he's a giant bug that she associates with an earth creature that's completely different and, and you know, benign or different. Yeah. And just the whole relationship that they build up with them. Bringing in the sisterhood of Karn on top of that. <laughs> and them trying to get the Doctor and Lucy. And we have no idea why or what's going on in building to that. It was just a tremendous ride. I really, really oh, enjoyed all yeah. of this. Not to mention that we get into... The fact that it's the return of Morbius. And I think the way that they brought him back was brilliant. I love the fact that there's this megalomaniac maniac, um, uh, rich guy that buys Karn in order <laughs> to mine there to find a piece of Morbius's brain to meld it with Time Lord Dean. It was just a great idea. Oh, yeah. And then to bring Morbius back at the end. It's one of those things that... Of the first story. <laughs> in and of itself... That idea. I'm going to mine the planet because I know that somewhere in the bottom of one of these shafts was Morbius's brain. And you think about that on the surface and you go, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you're following up Brain of Morbius, which having just rewatched it for Friday Night Who, and, and I love it. I, I, I will not dog on Morbius at all. I love Brain of Morbius. But on the surface, yes, it's Frankenstein. and we, We've made that allegation before. It is the most ridiculous piece of fluff science fiction imaginable it's so tropey and 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 steeped in all of these i mean yes there's a monster and there's a, a scientist and there's an igor and there's i mean he's got all the it's it's so frankenstein that it's almost too frankenstein it's almost too frankenstein it's almost so science fiction that it's it's it, it, you can't take it seriously you can only sit back and just let it wash over you and be what it is and so when you set all this up and then you reveal that we're doing a sequel to that episode and this is how I'm going to make it work, you should be going, what? No, it doesn't matter. That's how well-written this is, mm -hmm. that you just kind of go along for the ride with this, too, because you're like, yeah, okay, cool. Well, and the <laughs> fact that they take a different approach to it all, too. They don't go the same route of Brain of Morbius. They, they take the ideas and build on them and strip away the Frankenstein aspects of it to create a completely different story, which mm -hmm. works so well. Yeah. Well, I love that even some of the... The way they allude to hooking um, uh, Strax. Is that the other Time Lord? Straxus. That he captures that we remember from before in yeah. some, the last season. In human nature, I think he showed up in that. Um, human resources. Human resources. Thank you. Um, having him in some sort of chamber that's lifted up as they're doing the thing just really kind of brought that imagery of... Frankenstein's monsters being lifted up into the you know, yeah. as as he's trying to meld the DNA with Morbius's brain, the piece of Morbius' brain. It still had a little bit of those nods of the allegory, but didn't go completely there like Brain right. and Morbius does. So it still kind of strikes some of that imagery that kind of calls back to Brain and Morbius and Frankenstein while taking it a whole different direction and, and creating the story it around that. It just does it so much more subtly. It does. It's very <laughs> subtle. It is. And in fact, somebody might miss that, but I, that was something probably because this is a Morbius story in my head <laughs> is uh, uh, surplanted. So I kind of was looking for those things and that thought, that to me was a bit obvious. Yeah. That's the down, one downside of doing it in this way. When, when I went and listened to this, I had no idea. I didn't read ahead of the episode titles. I didn't make the connection. Sisters of the Flame. What is that? I don't know. So I'm listening to the audio, and the doctor's gone, and Lucy's doing her thing. And start? Then the chanting started, and I went, I know that from somewhere. <laughs> Why do I know that? And then it clicked. <gasps> I know who these people are. Oh, cool. And so I'm going along and listening further. 
didn't even didn't even remotely consider this was a Morbius story. <laughs> Furthest thing from my brain. We've been kicked off Karn. We've done this. We've done the rich guy here. Blah blah blah. Oh, he's the leader of the cult of Morbius. What? <laughs> We're actually gonna go there? And just with, with each of those revelations, my love for this ratcheted up another notch because it was just i can't believe you're telling this story you're telling this story oh this is so cool and a lot of that has to do with just the the fantastic job that nicholas briggs did writing it yeah oh yeah absolutely well and all the performances in it too are just spot on they don't there's no scenery chewing like there is an actual brain of morbius yes Uh, much beloved philip maddock i'm sorry oh yeah he's great he's great in the role and that's (laughs) that role need solon's role needed scenery chewing this story does not call for that, and so there isn't any there. Although I do think... Um, Ross, though, is fantastic. Zardonix reaches almost that level of scenery chewing, but not quite there. Well, there's a couple of times in the second one where I think yeah. he does get there. He starts giggling maniacally. But <laughs> uh, Side note, did you know who played uh, our, our, our favorite uh, centipede cop? I noticed that in the credits. Alexander Sadig. Oh, okay. It's Dr. Bashir. Yeah. Did not recognize the voice at all. I though. didn't recognize the voice either. Because he's that good. <laughs> and uh, Orinthia or was Katarina Olsen returning. Yeah. So the headhunter, only not the headhunter. Right. And I'm pretty sure Barnaby Although, Edwards was in clearly the headhunter and hunter will be coming back, but I may be getting ahead of myself. I think you're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> if, um, we, if we move into the next one, which uh, to me, this is just two parts of one story. So it really, I, really I don't is. know that we need a synopsis of the second story because... What I really liked about this was the the shift in Morbius was in this one it was this menacing maniacal and you really felt the power of Morbius and I have returned and the fear and the and then to get into the next one and kind of start off with him coming back to the chamber and um, you know Zardonic having the conversation with Zardonix and about you know oh just I'm so excited I mean it was really a different change in he's it's been four years. And he's been, you know, going across conquering the galaxy. And he talks about these battles. But you can tell that he's worn. He's exhausted. He's tired. Not to mention, you know, he doesn't quite have full power unless he ciphers it off of Straxus all the time. So he's continually feeding off of Straxus in order to stay alive. And he really has these conversations with, these humble conversations almost, with uh, Zardonix. Is that his name? Yes. Yeah. About, you know, and Zardonic still has this reverence for him, which is fitting. And But Morbius just comes across as this, oh, you know, I just don't know. How long can I do this? You know, the, <laughs> I'm, I'm thwarted by the, the Time Lords at, at every angle because he can't seem to get through to them. He can't yeah. get to where they've isolated themselves. And so it's a neat change in that we have this menacing character at the end of one, and it kind of comes down to the... I don't want to say humanizing angle of him, but showing how he's been worn down by this conquering over the years. And I thought that was a neat change. Well, and it's it's so cool that we the fact we get to see him conquering, or at least hear of the aftermath of what he's been doing. It's not the threat of, oh, if I get out, I'm going to do this. He actually kind of gets to do that. And that's what's awesome, is you get to see Morbius be Morbius, be evil, and then have on that flip side at once afterwards... Of the humanizing aspect of it. And it goes a step further than that, too, because it adds all these layers within the idea that Morbius, in Brain of Morbius, he's a, he's a brain in a jar, attached a giant 
thing. Wanting to get his vengeance. Wanting to get That's vengeance. It. But he's also, I mean, his brain's been dropped. <laughs> he's got some lint on Lying it. on the floor. Uh, he's got some drain damage going on. He's not stable. Uh, he, he He's very screamy, megalomaniac kind of, you know, standard villain. He's, 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 he's an over-the-top Doctor Who villain. Because he's, he's, he's a Dalek. He's Davros. He's all of those guys. It's just this particular has, one, has a new model. But then being able to take Morbius and, and add these, you know, we knew he was a Time Lord and we knew that he was somebody the Time Lords did fear. But just being able to show that, yeah, four years. In four years, he made it further conquering the galaxy than the Daleks ever did. Yeah. And that he's not just a raving, screaming megalomaniac. That he's a very intelligent. That he's got the stellar manipulator. That he's got the, the which I thought was another. Oh, you went there with that. Oh, <laughs> I love it when you can tie two completely different stories together. And who and Big Finish does that all the time. And I love that stuff. But just being able to continually add on these elements of Morbius and really go from just the perceived threat that he could have been in in the episode. And making him a legitimate threat and a different kind of threat. That, to me, was what really sold me on how well this was really put together. I also like the the fact that they weren't afraid to do the rewrite time, to cross the time streams, to go that route yeah. with the Doctor, which is something we haven't done in a long time or haven't touched on outside of the new series, which we found ourselves doing that on a weekly basis <laughs> when, when Matt Smith was in the, mm-hmm. in the role. But it was interesting to see the Eighth Doctor, who I think is a little more by the book as far as not tinkering with his own timeline, to be convinced by Lucy, yeah, this is the way to do this. We'll we'll go back and try to do this. And then ultimately the Time Lords being on board with the fact that because that's really how they kind of change all of this, that past four years of conquering basically doesn't exist once the Doctor takes the manipulator and is is, rescued away from Karn. They do fix it in a timey-wimey kind of way because then time, Straxus mentions that, well, the Time Lords are now repairing this and this no longer, none of this actually happened. I like how it comes down to the point that she, that Lucy thinks that the Doctor's dead, that he's gone, that he went over the edge with Morbius, Morbius when they careened down into the cavern over the balcony. And I like the yeah. fact that, that Straxus reintroduces that idea of we could help, we could make you forget which goes all the way back to the fact that the Time Lords were able to do that to Jamie and Zoe mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. In, in, in the second Doctor's trial. So I think that was really kind of a neat nod all the way back to give us more of that Time Lord mythos and, and, and mythology that we've had for all these years. And that was neat. I don't really like that. I liked the idea, too, that we, we, we really get that. And it, it's kind of been augmented now that we've had some new series like... Uh, uh, in Father's Day, that you know, when when Nine makes the comment, well, the Time Lords, if they'd have been here, would have cleaned this up. Right, right. Yeah. And so now we get to see that kind of in action yeah. with them going back. And that was one of the things that just really that was cool. Um, but then to turn around and tie in war games with the, we can make you forget. I just it's, I don't know everything's so magical about this story. <laughs> what do you guys think of the end? Like you said, we we knew we know where he's going to regenerate. Right, right. We know that there's a lot more Eighth Doctor to come. I thought Lucy's reaction was powerful. Man, that was an amazing performance she gave. He went over the edge, and I I kind (gasps) of... And then Lucy breaks, and I'm hanging on every word that she says. And there's a small part of my brain that's waiting. 
I'm waiting for the Indiana Jones joke where he's clinging to a tree root or something. She even references. Yeah, she even looks over the side. She and says she, he's he's got to be hanging on somewhere. Now. Yeah, and and so I'm waiting for it, and there's nothing, and it kind of drags on a little bit that there's still nothing. There's no sign of the Doctor that he has evaporated in the thing, and the Time Lords have fixed everything, and we're still we'll go down and get him. Well, we can't do that. But we could make you forget about it. And then it ends with take me home. And I sat bolt upright and had my chair went, no, you're not leaving me there. <laughs> I think that what what sells it is is her performance. Absolutely. And you, you put yourself as a listener, because I had I have no doubt in my mind at all the whole time I'm listening that the doctor's dead. There's no doubt. I, I don't think he's dead at all. There's no doubt in my mind that he's alive, I should say. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm with you. That now. makes a lot more sense. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind that he's alive. I know he's alive and know it goes on. And Oh. Well, now I'm confused again. Okay. <laughs> I know he's alive. There's no doubt in my mind that he's alive. There's no doubt in my mind that he's dead. No. I don't know. Anyway, I know the guy's alive. So none of that from my listener perspective is effective. It's when Lucy, when you put your... You listen to Lucy and her performance, um, Sheridan Smith sells yeah. it to you. Yeah, and that's absolutely. where, from her perspective, you... You don't feel bad that the doctor's dead. You feel bad that she feels that the doctor is dead. And so it's that emotion and that tension that that really grabs onto you. Because again, I know he's alive. In fact, when he makes the plea with the Sisterhood of Karn, you know, take me out of here or, you know, take the the, uh, thing, the orb thing, or whatever, what was it called? You just said it earlier. Stellar Manipulator. That. Yes, one of those. Take yeah. that or take me, but one one or the other. It doesn't matter what you do. So in my mind, the sisterhoods who saved him, basically. I know that that's what happened. But they leave it there. They don't, they don't, they don't give it to you, which I really appreciated. In fact, all the way through the, the um, uh, credits, I thought, or the, yeah, the credits, the music at the end, I thought, oh, they're really going to pull this and carry this over to next year. <laughs> and I thought... That's an interesting way to do this. A radio, especially a radio series that people are listening to for the first time and they've never, you know, maybe you don't even know Doctor Who that familiar. And But then to do the comeback and do the after credits thing, which I didn't expect and I'm glad I didn't shut off because sometimes when the credits roll, I shut it off. But this time I happen to be still listening when it comes back and Lucy gets the knock at the door and who's to show up? Pretty sure that's the headhunter. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like her. I'd forgotten too, but the other uh, wonderful tie-in is the uh, trapezoidal black hole. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And described properly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Time Lords using a time scoop to scoop up all of the Time Lords and recall them to Gallifrey. That was a that was very clever. That was a, well, and it, which that's a nice yeah another nice tie-in with other Gal, uh, Gallifrey stories. And then once they get to Gallifrey, the fact that they're trapped there and they got dragged there was a great aspect of the story. Just again, that it really illustrates how serious this threat was, that we can't let Morbius come back, so we're going to recall everybody, and the ones that we can't recall, we're just going to nab and put the place on lockdown. Yeah. It's like, you guys are the Time Lords, right? You should be able to... It it shows, it it adds that menacing fear before he comes very heavily, and then the fact that they stay hidden and can't, then can't work their TARDISes. That's just really it. Goes to, to, show. to the point that they have banned TARDIS travel and Straxus is traveling with the time ring. Yeah. Yeah. 
Which is another nifty tie-in yep. to Genesis yeah. of the Dots. Right. Although we saw the time ring before with Straxus in uh, Human Resources. Right. Yeah. This is, it, it's just a solid two-parter. It really Top is. to bottom. There, there's no way around it. I, I love the fact that we, we, I mean, Centipede Cop. That's just cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Lucy has that initial freak-out moment when she sees the doctor carted off by centipedes. <laughs> And then Centipede Cop shows up, and she's like, no, you're one of the, you know. And it, it, it's it's almost embarrassing to listen to. It's a little, oh, you're, you're just being racist. You're yeah. using that whole you-all-look-alike thing. And that's just wrong, Lucy. But then she recognizes that and apologizes, apologizes yeah, for it. And, yeah. and, you know. What do you guys think of Lucy in that? Because I know some, I forget which one of you was kind of hot cold on her depending on it, which story well it was, you, it, it, it? It, it was first season i wasn't very fond of her and then by the end of the first season i liked her a lot i and had warmed, all of this season i've liked her i had warmed up to her at the end of the first by the end of the first season and then i got kind of cold on her there for a little bit because it seemed there was some inconsistency in the beginning of the second season but then i think it really i warmed back up to her so and it's um, kind of ironic that they talked about the idea of making her forget because she's almost a donna-like character yeah, but the, her sass level is very Donna in the yeah. way she talks. And she was a temp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the template for Donna before Donna. Now that you've said that, I wonder. I don't know if it really was, but I uh yeah, I immediately went and followed it up with the next one um because I couldn't wait. <laughs> just as I was listening to these and this 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 was the pinnacle of wow. I, this was like at the time I listened to this was the best big finish story I'd ever listened to this uh, this two parter I really 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 liked these and it's been so frustrating to let this gestate <laughs> until now to get to it with you guys and be able to talk about it and just be like oh, the most amazing thing ever I'm yeah. geeking out <laughs> this is definitely some of the best uh, especially the eighth doctor stuff that we've done and 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 I think of of big finishes is one of my top stories now of everything they've done arc story arc yeah. the, the two stories i would put equal i mean they they sometimes you've got a, a first part yeah and you like it but the second part's better you like the first part but the second part kind of fell down no these were these were equally as good as one story and it's just it's good very it's, good it's very rare that a two-parter delivers on the promises it sets up in part one and this is one of the ones that does and even goes above and beyond what's promised in part one. I'll be really curious to see what you guys think of Orbis because it is a vastly different style of storytelling and sequence of events, but yet it's still so heavily threaded with the aftermath of, mm-hmm. of these two. So it's, it's, it's a proper third part, but yeah. And of course, Paul McGann was amazing as He's always. always amazing. It's been so good coming him back. How, <laughs> He was when he first showed up on Karn with the sisterhood and they were talking about his glibness and he's like, no, I don't have time for that. <laughs> it was, And then he started being glib about it. Yeah. So fantastic and so well performed. All the way up to when they've got him locked in the dispersal chamber. Yeah. And he's pounding on the door. Let me out of the way. And she's like, really? That's what you've got? Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the dispersal chamber was another one of those times where i'm thinking yeah i know that the, the doctor survives but man, this is really intense yeah. how are we getting out of this yeah well then they grab the time ring 
And I'm like, aha, we're going to escape. Wait, no, something's not right. We're back to pounding on the door again? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I do like that the the diamond ring overloaded the thing, and that wasn't their escape. That just bought them some time in order for them to realize, oh, wait a minute, Straxus is still there. That's our way to get out of here. Help, you know, let us out so we can go rescue Straxus or get him at least away from Morbi or from, uh, well, at the time it's uh, Zardonis. Zardonix, yeah. Zardonix. So, yeah, that was that was cool too and very 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 tension driven. Overall just a great story. I couldn't say anything more about it. It's just terrific. I would agree. All right. I well, would concur. What do we got coming up on the schedule then? Well, if you're angry about that cliffhanger, good news because <laughs> next week we're going to continue it. We're going to uh listen to Orbis uh, which is the first of season three of the Eighth Doctor Big Finish Adventures. And I forget what else. I didn't have the schedule right in front of me. It's Ninth Doctor 1 through 5. Right, Titan Comics, Ninth Doctor. Of the ongoing. Of the, not, the, not the miniseries, but the actual the ongoing, ongoing series. series, issues 1 through 5. So or Volume 1 of the, yeah, no, Volume 2. Volume it's, 2, yeah, because they consider the miniseries volume, volume 1. Volume 1 was the miniseries then? Yes. Okay. So if you go pick up the trade paperback, it's Volume 2. You'll have them all right there. Or if you log into to Goodreads for that. So yeah. some more Big Finish and some comic action next week. Our Friday Night Who offering for next week will be the uh, Aliens of London and World War Three two-parter with Glenn's absolute favorite villains. Did you do some research before choosing those two stories? No. Do we have a serendipity moment? Uh, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm going to say. There's a pig running around. <laughs> I thought you weren't going to say. I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. <laughs> and we're in the process of putting together uh, the, the schedule for a little further out so that you can get uh, get more. But, you know, you may want to think about that BritBox subscription. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Keith, did you let people know how they could contact us? I did not. So, if you want to contact us, you can go to our website, travelingthevortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab. Or you can send it directly to feedback at travelingthevortex. Or, uh, like Ben often does, just reach out to us on any form of social media. While you're at our website, please consider becoming a patron of the podcast. There on the right side of the page, you'll see a button that'll take you where you can support us on Patreon, and any amount is welcome. And then 100% of those donations go right back into this program. And, of course, there are links on the side of the page for other sites as well. Anytime you purchase things through them, a percentage of those go to our uh podcast and also you can purchase podcast merchandise on that site as well so check some of that stuff out that's going to do it for this week until next week i'm glenn i'm sean i'm keith cheers good night everybody be seeing you thanks for listening you have been listening to traveling the vortex doctor who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the bbc no infringement is intended or implied